If you had to come up with a plan B to retool as a leader in today's down economy, with the experience and knowledge you already have, these are the exact steps you can take to thrive. Welcome to the Visionary Leaders Circle podcast. I am your host, Dr. Ginny Barrow. Leaders want it all. In this podcast, we talk about it all, from how to integrate all of who you are, from developing leadership skills and empowering yourself with a growth mindset in your career, relationships, finances, and even your emotional, physical, and spiritual health. Thank you for joining us. In this episode, Dr. Jenny Barrow sits down with Philip Anderson, the Executive Director at the Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation. Philip leads the Diversity and Inclusion Team at DTCC, which focuses on making the process of attracting, hiring, and retaining talent at all levels more inclusive. In this episode, Philip shares his approach to developing leaders and talent during this time, as well as the advice he gives leaders who are looking to create a unique edge. Thank you so much for making time to get with me today and spend 15 minutes sharing your diverse background. So why don't we start, Phil, with a quick introduction. Tell us, tell our audience your background, what perspective you're going to be sharing with us when we answer the questions that we're going to tackle today. Sure. So I'm uh, Philip Anderson. I work for the Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation. I've been here for about a year, but my career in DNI and in uh, leading diversity spans over 20 plus years. I like to talk about it from a 360 view um, in that I've done diversity recruiting, diversity training, um, diversity development uh, kinds of programs and programming. And in addition to that, I have uh, you know the responsibility for the strategy and the like. So. Um, really take a look at it from a, the full employee life cycle. Um, and it's been uh, very inspirational for me in terms of uh, um, trying to affect the lives of uh, people and organizations with respect to diversity and inclusion. And that's why you're here, right? That's why I'm here. Absolutely. <laughs> like we're going to give you, um, ask and tackle some topics that I think will give our audience a very unique perspective uh, from where you see things, right? From your angle. Absolutely. So I appreciate you for, for being here with us today. So let's let's go into the first question, which is, what leadership skills, from your point of view, Phil, um, are most critical in this challenging time? Yeah, so, I, you know, when I think about what's happening now, um, certainly adaptation skills, um, flexibility, uh, a whole range of skill sets, situational uh, management are all very, very important. But when I think about what's the number one leadership skill I would want to have or I would advise people to kind of um, develop is, is your, your being a visionary. Um, there is a lot of scrambling that goes on, on during challenging times. So, you know, now it's COVID-19. 2008, it was the, the stock market crash, um, you know, on and on and on. There's always going to be this, um, you know, change in, in, in the moment and being able to respond to that. But you need the visionary to, to stick their heads up out of the pile and kind of look and say, we're headed in the right direction. Um, consider the strategy. Think about the disruptions that are to come. 
um, both from a company perspective and industry's perspective and, and most recently, as we all know, a societal uh, kind of perspective. So you need the leader to think about all of those things and you need the leader to also motivate and drive um, the organization and individuals in the right direction based on, um, you know, kind of uh, taking a look at the opportunities that are there. Absolutely. And can you give us an example in your role as the, an executive leader uh, in diversity and inclusion where being a visionary has really paid dividends for you and your organization? Yeah, so um, it's, it's interesting. This year, um, our theme was, uh, was basically allyship. And we had talked about, um, you know, thinking about putting everything that we do and putting it in the context of an ally. We had no idea that the, the world would change so rapidly and so quickly. Uh, and, you know, but we were able to pivot because we had prepared. And, and I enlighten the visionary to not only, again, stick their head up above the morass and take a look at what's going on, but also coming back and planning and putting plans together. And we were able to, uh, in 2020, accelerate to our 2021 plan around um, ethnic uh, and racial diversity and how we would manage that kind of process and thought leadership um, in 2021. So we're putting the plans together, but we had to flip the switch immediately to get um, things moving for 2020. And we were able to do that um, in response to, to George, George Floyd's murder uh, and did that through um, uh, a series of different kinds of approaches, which included hearing from black and brown employees at DTCC uh, regarding how they felt, um, how they were feeling, how they were dealing with the societal upheaval and, and the duality that they bring to work every day in that they have to still execute, um, but there's this emotional tax and trauma that they deal with on a, on a daily basis, um, but yet and still are expected to perform and, and have to perform in order to, to maintain their professional and aspirations and status. So. Um, we had that conversation with both men and women. Um, we also had a conversation around allyship and what it looks like. Um, there's this topic today around performative allyship and how lots of companies are saying Black Lives Matter now and lots of companies are engaged in you know, saying they're allies, but we want people to take action and become uh, what we, we, we like to talk about in this context as an upstander meaning someone who is not going to stand by and watch things um, happen, but would take action to countermand or, and or proactively change the way things work. So cool. we're very excited about that. What are some of those actions, Phil, that they have taken? And also, I wanted to ask you about when you engage your brown and black employees around what, is, what was happening, um, how did you handle the reaction of, let's say, the, the white employees? Yeah. So I'll start there. We, we, the, the important point was, and we said this in the beginning of the conversation, is we want um, those, of them, those who are different but want to be allies to listen, to learn, um, to proactively um, seek out the understanding before engaging and being an ally. So that was part of the education process for those individuals. 
Um, and we also um, made it uh, very clear that the white employees had to be in involved because in order to make change, everyone has to be involved. And that's the inclusion piece, right, in DNI. That's great. So we look, we, we engage people um, where they're at. And we also, and this is, was very exciting that we were able to flip this so quickly. We actually created a space on our intranet, much like we do for COVID-19, for hurricanes, for all kinds of natural disasters. We created a resource page around, um, again, educational pieces. Um, we, we created areas where people could go and learn, um, donate uh, if they wanted to. Uh, there's a whole host of things that we created on our site in order to, um, you know, enable action. So we, and we also gave them a list of things that they can do. So the second part, or the first part of your question was, what can they do? And we, we hosted a, a MARC training session for our officers. And MARC is a, a training session offered by Catalyst, which is a great organization for women, um, thought think tank and the like. And uh, MARC stands for Men Advocating for Real Change. Um, and that session included examples of people engaging in disrupting bias, for example. Um, what does that look like? Uh, one colleague shared that they um, saw someone that they knew and, and kind of quasi-mentoring um, walk by upset, headed into the bathroom. He came out and once, once she came back out of the bathroom, asked what was wrong. She had received feedback that, and classic, right, that she was aggressive or too mm -hmm. aggressive um, and that um, she needed to adjust her, her behavior in that way. Yeah. Um, Having some experiences with her, um, he didn't necessarily share the opinion, but he also knew the supervisor. And the, the simple thing that he did was, was go to the person who he had a relationship with and said, hey, you know, I saw um, so-and-so and she was upset. Um, I understand this is the feedback she's gotten, but I'm trying to, to make sense of it because I've seen men on your team behave the same way, do you think their behavior is aggressive? And, and that was, it was a simple question, right? Um, and the, um, the supervisor simply said, point taken, and then walked away. There wasn't uh, a lot of, um, there wasn't a fight. There was a discussion. It was based on logic. It was also a third party that had no skin in the game. And so with that, I think that allowed this individual to see where um, he needed to perhaps pull back on ter terms of the language. Um, and, you know, assertiveness is something we all need to have as a skill. And, and so when it does tilt into aggressiveness, that is, can be problematic, but we have to be careful in the way we are uh, applying those labels and we have to be aware of our own unconscious bias. So that was a great example of people interceding. Absolutely. And I also um, would like to ask you about that, right? Because I believe yeah. the colleague that interfered in a positive mm -hmm. way and mm -hmm. was able to follow up with the supervisor, um, what I'm sensing from what you're sharing, Phil, is that he had a sense that the space was safe, meaning that he had a container that would actually Correct. help him behave in that way and advocate for his peer, for his colleague. Correct. And yeah, 
in, in the container is the relationship. Now, if someone who this individual hadn't known, um, perhaps interjected, it probably wouldn't have been received the same way. Um, but this person not only knew the person, but also had influence. So, and you can influence up, down, sideways, and downwards, as Absolutely. you know. Um, so those, those are opportunities. And, and guess what? Your voice may not be heard, but maybe the second, third, and fourth voice um, that comes along will be heard in terms of the disruption. So just because you don't have a relationship doesn't mean you don't try to enlighten folks. Um, but at the same time, with those relationships, it absolutely makes it more effective um, when, when confronting or disrupting bias. Point taken, though, that the thing is not to just stand by and not do anything. Correct. So Correct. I, appreciate, I appreciate that. So let's dive into the second question, which is around what sure. can organizations do to develop their leaders these days? And you mentioned yeah. a few things that DTCC is doing. For example, you mentioned the Catalyst Training uh, Mark, which is Man Affecting Real Change. You also mm -hmm. uh, mentioned uh, the Unconscious Bias Training. So what are some of the things that organizations and companies and how should they be approaching developing their leaders and helping the talent right, get to their next level, whatever that may be. Right, so I, I think um, it's, this is, this is a really important topic. Um, people learn differently. So to me, it's always an all, all of the above or all in strategy. You should think about um, how do you uh, connect with people digitally? Um, how do you get them in person? How do you get them on demand? How do you, um, get them in an informal setting. Um, there's a host of ways that people learn. And so we should, we should have a variety of ways that people engage. One particular project that isn't solidified yet, but we are bringing on board hopefully shortly, is through a platform called Hive Learning that Hive. allows, yeah, H-I-V-E, Hive Learning, that allows you to do self-paced learning, um, but they do it in bite-sized, uh, kind of variety. So you'll take a course or a part of a course, you'll get interactive reminders, you can pair up with uh, individuals or departments. Um, you can even make, gamify and make it a, a competition of sorts and allow people to learn at their pace um, and at their curiosity level. Uh, it's also important though to let people know, this, this is one of the things that we do at DTCC that I love, is we have five values, but in the middle of all those values, the typical ones, right? We have inclusion as the center of it all. And, and so as a manager, and when I talk about DNI at DTCC, I typically talk about current and future managers and of people. And if you ever want to be a people manager, then you're going to have to understand diversity and inclusion to be the most effective um, person um, that you can be because ultimately that key um, point of being a manager oftentimes is motivating people to do things um, there that they don't even think they're capable of. If we get them um, to do above and beyond, then typically whatever projects or hurdles are in their way, they will still solve the issues and figure out how to, to get through um, because you have the leader who is supportive who is getting them to the next step. And by the way, that leader definition does also span across the entire swap of our employee base. That's the way we, we view leadership. It doesn't 
Um, it doesn't sit in the officer level or the, the even the CEO only. It sits with everyone um, within our organization. I agree 100%. In my view, everybody's a leader in business, definitely in life. Um, yeah. And that takes us to the next and last section of our interview, which is the part about we've been speaking about the leaders in their leadership role, supporting their talent. And if you are, happen to be a leader, uh, what advice would you give leaders who are looking to develop a unique edge? Unique edge. Um, guess what? DNI has, we haven't solved that problem yet. So if they can show um, how they can uh, create uh, inclusion and also create diversity within their teams, um, there are tons of studies. Catalyst has shown, for example, that uh, board, you know, having women on the board typically helps the bottom line. Diversity leads and inclusion leads to innovation. Um, and again, that, that solving of issues and problems um, that come up are often tackled better by a diverse team. McKinsey has done studies on this um, and, and other think, uh, think tanks and, and the like. So if the, the individual that is leading that particular department, that group, the, or, and the entire organization you want to harness the entire um, uh, intellectual horsepower of, of the organization. Um, it being included uh, automatically gives you, uh, one, the feeling of belonging, but also, two, that you, because you belong, you want to give more and more and more. Um, that, that inclusive um, kind of uh, skill set allows you to, do, to, to think differently. Um, and not have the same kind of, uh, you know, uh, thought process that, for example, does not, that leaves you stagnant and leaves you vulnerable to, to um, disruptors and, and folks who are changing industries every day. Technology, as you know, is, is changing at light speed. One of my favorite stories around that is Polaroid and how popular Polaroid was and the Polaroid camera. Remember. And they're, right, exactly. And, and, and they're still around, but here comes digital cameras and cameras on phones and the like. So you never know what is down the road. And if you have Kodak could have been the inventors of those kinds of technologies, um, perhaps if they had uh, a more diverse workforce. And I, you know, we talk about this. We've been talking about diversity and inclusion for a long time. And I follow a question for you, Phil, is that People come up with programs, right? And at the end of the day, the research is also showing that we're not moving the needle. Yes. How do we crack that nut, as we say? How do we get, how do we move forward? Yeah. So um, one of the things that we like about Hive Learning is they show data around changing behaviors. So in order to change and move the numbers, um, the first thing that's going to have to change is behaviors. You, we've seen the recruit as many as you can, and then they leave. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen um, an environment that is not supportive of the individuals when they get there. So if you aren't changing behaviors, um, you're, not, you're not making uh, uh, a, a sea change so that people can, you know, contribute. And again, feel like they belong so that they can give their maximum effort. Um, you know, in a more practical instance, 
I think one of the things we need to do is to um, set goals. If, if the organizations that we all know and love didn't set goals, nothing would be achieved. So they have all kinds of business goals. Mm -hmm. And um, I believe if we set diversity goals and notice I didn't say quotas, I didn't say, um, you know, you know, things that, that are inherently um, potentially unfair. What I'm saying is what we should do is we should, we should be able to explain why when we look from a census availability of talent, mm -hmm. why we have our fair share of individuals from a particular place um, or why we, we have an overshare. And so that takes analysis. And so it's not sticking your, your finger up in the wind and saying, okay, we want more black people by 10% within five years. There has to be an analysis around your workforce. What kinds of skills do you need? Um, what what is the availability of uh, talent in that space, um, both from a um, background and and um, and uh, a skill set, and allowing us to be able to, um, with data, drive different outcomes. Um, oftentimes, I hear not not hear, but I hear about people saying, "Well, what about me? Right? How does that affect me?" Right. And so, a couple things. One. If I'm a white male and I think that because we have diversity efforts that are going on, it may hurt me, I would tell that white male to then sharpen your skills and become even more competitive. Because that's what we're talking about, right, is, is making sure that there's a, a playing ground that is um, accessible to everyone. And so the best talents can be there. So yes, it may affect you if you don't continue to develop and, and be prepared for opportunities. And so um, it's really just upping the game. Um, think about baseball in the 1940s, right? Um, before Jackie Robinson, um, and when he came on in, in, in the 50s, without that competition, um, there was complacency and there was certainly great talent that wasn't in baseball at the time. And so it's, it's a very similar process is we don't wanna miss out on the best or best competitors um, so that we can compete in, in that process. I love what you're sharing with us. I and mean, this is so interesting. We could talk for hours and you know that. Yes, and, absolutely. You know, I have so many follow-up questions around power and sharing power. So thank you for bringing up that example of baseball. And uh, simultaneously, you know, how do, we, um, how do we begin to authentically shift those behaviors? How do we begin to shift the mindsets? And, and the best example that I use that I want to share in this, in this forum is, imagine that you will have children, right? Regardless mm -hmm. of your background, your, you know, where you come from, your color, your, your religion. And imagine that we all want our kids to have the best opportunities, right? We all want them to get educated. We all want them to get a job. We all want them to succeed in life. And so mm -hmm. when we look at children, it, it's almost like, of course. We want every child to have opportunities, every child to have the best life possible, except now we're adults, right? And yep. we are faced with what we are dealing with. So if anybody's having difficulty grasping what we're speaking about in terms of leveling the playing field, it's mm -hmm. imagining that everyone that's in, in the workforce is a child and that we yeah. all want the best opportunities for people 
to shine, to bring their best forward. That's that's all that yeah. diversity and inclusion means to me, right? Absolutely, and I would I would take it one step further and say, even if you don't have children, you have nephews, nieces, and and or just you know kids in your your houses of worship, um, your Family. colleagues. Society, yes. Right. So it's really around what do you want? What would you want as an individual um, to be able to do? If you if you couldn't compete with all of your tools, then you wouldn't be you wouldn't be happy. One, um, but two, you'd you'd wonder why, and you'd right. want it fixed. So that's what you're doing, and really that is the WIFM. If you are part of the solution and you can fix this problem. Again, it goes straight to the bottom line through um, belonging, uh, that, that extra, um, you know, kind of uh, um, effort that's given, and then innovation, which always comes with that uh, diverse team. And, and I, I challenge everyone to go back and think about that opportunity where you had different people trying to brainstorm an idea and it doesn't matter what those people look like, but the fact that you had different people made your brainstorming effort much, much better, right? So Listen. the WIFM, can, you can per, be part of the solution. That is the WIFM okay. for everyone. Thank you. What's in it for me, right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And what would you like to leave the audience with, Bill, before we say goodbye and before you tell people how to reach you if they wanted to connect with you, maybe on LinkedIn? Sure. No, no worries. I would, I would leave them with um, take a step. There is an opportunity for you to, again, be part of a solution. So um, do something. It doesn't matter what, just do something. Um, in, in these times, and, and let, me, let me talk about some of the things you can do. Mentor. You can, um, you can uh, educate yourself. You can... Um, consider uh, or, or demand a diverse slate when you're, you're hiring. You can, um, you know, develop uh, the, the team across, across the swap. They're just, just generally be supportive um, and think about ways you can engage um, your teams because, again, that motivation, that extra motivation comes from people feeling your empathy um, towards them. Yeah, beautiful. It's going to be different. Not everyone, it's not an equal um, process. Not everyone's going to rise to the top, right. but that's okay. You want people to maximize their, their potential. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Phil. This has been uh, such a wonderful sharing and outpouring of wisdom and, and insights from you. So I appreciate you for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you. It was my pleasure. And, um, if anyone does want to reach out to me, I am on LinkedIn. Type in Philip Anderson, type in DTCC, and I will pop up uh, on your screen. Thank, Thank you. you. If you enjoy this content, subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends. And if you want to stay in touch and hear from us, join our community to receive valuable strategies and tools at executivebound.com. I'll see you next time.